0: Due to the graphic nature of this cult's crimes, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes discussions of sexual assault, sexual abuse of minors, and child death that some people may find disturbing. We advise extreme caution for children under 13.
1: 17-year-old Ariel was nervous as she approached a mobile trailer with the leader of the House of Yahweh, Israel Hawkins.
0: There they met Yedidiah Hawkins, Israel's second-in-command and Ariel's soon-to-be husband. Ariel had no real desire to marry the older man, but she didn't have a choice because no one questioned Israel.
1: Ariel and her entire family were devout followers. On the 44-acre house of Yahweh compound in Eula, Texas, Israel's word was law. So when he demanded that Ariel marry Yedidiah, they willingly complied.
0: As Ariel approached Yedidiah, he reached out his hand. Unable to refuse, Ariel accepted. If she didn't follow through, though, she'd have nowhere to go, and Israel would condemn her to hell.
1: Dazed, Ariel listened as Israel performed the perverse ceremony. By the end of it, 17-year-old Ariel was yet another wife of Yedidiah.
0: I'm Greg Polson. And
1: I'm Vanessa Richardson.
0: And this is Cults, a Spotify original from ParCast. Every Tuesday, we look at a cult's practices, its leader, and its followers. You can find all episodes of Cults and all other Spotify originals from ParCast for free on Spotify.
1: Last week, we traced Bill Hawkins' evolution from a police officer and failed businessman to a strict, misogynistic, and controlling cult leader who renamed himself Israel.
0: This week, we'll explore his predictions about nuclear doomsday, how some escaped his church, and how one couple attempted to reveal his corruption to the nation. We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us. Hear that? It's the sound of someone whacking the ground with a rake. Specifically, they're beating around the bush, which we've done enough of in this ad too, so let's get right to it. The new moneymaker scratch-off from the Ohio Lottery doesn't beat around the bush. Moneymaker play the game and you could win money up to two million dollars with more than 88 million in prizes ranging from 50 to 500 moneymaker cuts right to the cash lottery players are subject to ohio laws and commission regulations play responsibly the hargan women seem to have it all we were blessed my mom was amazing but detectives would soon discover inside the house there were the bodies of two women a story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true
1: I am just praying to God, this is
0: a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings, wherever you get your podcasts.
2: It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like...
0: What the fuck is going on?
2: Forget the crap online and listen to Science Verses. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes.
0: What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries.
2: That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon.
1: By 1994, Kay Hawkins had endured decades of physical and emotional abuse at the hands of her 60-year-old husband, Israel. She'd watched as he'd grown his small congregation from just her and their kids to a following of a few thousand across the globe known as the House of Yahweh.
0: On the 44-acre property in Eula, Texas, Israel taught a strict version of Messianic Judaism which drew from Evangelical Christian beliefs, Old Testament customs, and prophecies about the Apocalypse.
1: The compound functioned independently of the outside world. It had a slaughterhouse, cannery, and printing press where they published Israel's teachings. Standing in front of a hundred or more followers in the group's 1,200-seat auditorium, Israel often spoke about the end times, among other outlandish beliefs.
0: After enduring it all for decades, Kay had enough and divorced him at the end of 1994. A few followed her lead. The group's music director and other high-ranking officials trickled out of the House of Yahweh that year and the next. But the large majority of Israel's followers stayed.
1: To prevent more from leaving and to ensure he stayed at the center of their lives, Israel mobilized several male followers to help him. They either protected him like bodyguards or acted as enforcers, occasionally roaming the grounds and searching through people's belongings.
0: Israel, it seemed, didn't want people to have any literature that ran contrary to his teachings. To further ensure no one strayed from the church, he also forbade people from attending religious services that weren't part of the house of Yahweh, including family members' weddings.
1: Ultimately, by controlling his followers' access to outside information and friends, Israel created a fanatical
0: following. And by the end of 1994, around 300 of his followers took a drastic step and changed their last names to Hawkins. They claimed they wanted to show off their devotion to their leader. However, the change may have been more practical. Because of Israel's polygamous teachings, there were countless official and unofficial marriages at the house of Yahweh.
1: So numerous women in the group got pregnant, and according to Kay Hawkins' book, The House of Yahweh, My Side of the Story, they wrote down Hawkins as the last name of the father to make their offspring look legitimate. If the influx of babies with the same surname in one region raised any red flags, it seems that those working at the hospital never did anything about it.
0: As extreme as the name change seemed, Israel went a step further in his control. At some point, he decided to ban doctors and health center visits altogether. He wouldn't allow pregnant mothers to get prenatal care or even give birth in a hospital. Instead, they simply had to use the church's own midwives, who were reportedly poorly equipped and barely trained.
1: But Israel didn't seem to mind that he put all of his female followers in danger. He only appeared to care about keeping things as insular as possible. He wanted his followers attached to his every word.
0: And those words seemed increasingly focused on the end times. Israel interpreted the 1993 Israel and Arab Nations Peace Treaty as a sign of the end. He predicted a period of chaos for seven years, followed by a nuclear war that would eliminate 80% of the world's population.
1: However, Israel offered salvation to his followers. They would be spared if they followed his word and the church's rules. He said that after the tribulation, Yahweh would return to save them.
0: Vanessa is going to take over on the psychology here and throughout the episode. Please note, Vanessa is not a licensed psychologist or psychiatrist, but we have done a lot of research for this show.
1: Thanks, Greg. Although Israel had a bleak message, his followers may have found it easy to accept and oddly encouraging. According to Christopher Lane, author of The Age of Doubt, Tracing the Roots of Our Religious Uncertainty, 30 to 40 percent of Americans already believe that the end times are coming. As journalist Courtney Hutchinson writes in an article for ABC News, This belief in end times derives from a number of human urges, from the fear of death to the desire for justice to the fatalistic despair that this world is too broken ever to be fixed. Consequently, those fears create fertile recruiting grounds for doomsday preachers. Lane said, quote, it becomes easier to convince people that things are getting worse and that the answer will come through divine dispensation rather than have them face the fact that humanity must fix its own problems.
0: So for Israel's followers, the promise of the end times may have brought comfort. The Lord would return to destroy everything that had gone wrong and Israel would shepherd his followers to a happier afterlife.
1: Among those believers was Ariel and her family, her mom had searched for a place to learn more about God, the house of Yahweh seemed like an answer to her prayer.
0: When they first moved onto the property, Ariel was only 14. The family liked it. They enjoyed the teaching and sense of community that the church created.
1: But Ariel quickly realized that the friendship and spiritual activities disguised Israel's true intentions. It became clear to Ariel that Israel sought to have her parents follow him without question.
0: According to a later interview with Ariel, Israel convinced her family, along with the congregation, that they couldn't use words like happy, good, or kid. Israel claimed that those names were the names of ancient false gods.
1: And Israel didn't just stop at words. At one point, he demanded Ariel's parents set aside $120,000. He said it would buy the food that would help them survive the end times. Not wanting to perish, the family complied.
0: Over the years, the family sacrificed more and more for Israel, including their children's health and well-being. Israel forced Ariel and dozens of other kids to work 14 hours a day. He made them toil in the fields and on-site facilities like the slaughterhouse. All the while, Ariel's parents looked on.
1: Nothing could snap them out of the trance they seemed to be in, not even when Israel took Ariel away from them.
0: In the early 1990s, the couple just stood by and watched as Israel forced 17-year-old Ariel to marry the house of Yahweh's second-in-command, Yedediah Hawkins, who was around 10 years older than his bride. Ariel
1: likely didn't want to marry him, but felt pressured on all sides. Not only did the leadership compel her to follow through, but her parents did as well. According to Israel's teachings, she could refuse the marriage, but would be damned to hell if she did.
0: And even if she wanted to flee, Ariel had nowhere to go. At just 17, she had no outside connections or hope of reasoning with anyone in the house of Yahweh. With no other options, she relented.
1: It's unclear how many wives Yedidiah or Israel had at that point. Some estimates say Israel had 25 to 30, but no one outside of the house of Yahweh knows for sure. As for Yedidiah, it's anyone's guess how many wives he claimed. Israel kept the numbers and the ceremonies of his congregation a secret.
0: A year later, 18-year-old Ariel became pregnant with Yedidai's child.
1: Still, Ariel couldn't escape. Israel's mandate against health care meant she needed to have her baby at the compound.
0: When the time came to deliver, the midwives were unprepared, and Ariel almost died from complications.
1: Even then, Ariel wasn't rushed to the hospital, and when she languished in recovery, her husband rarely saw her. House of Yahweh rules only allowed her to see her husband four times a month. It's possible that Israel created that rule to help the men keep their multiple wives away from each other.
0: Over the next few months, Ariel grew tired of the continued neglect. She had a one night stand with a man and found herself pregnant again. While we don't know how Yedidiah reacted to the news, given the circumstances, he may have thought the child was his own.
1: She gave birth again, this time with apparently fewer complications. However, Ariel found herself caught in a cycle. Soon, Ariel was pregnant once again, this time by Yedidiah. By that point, she found herself as a young, soon to be mother of three at her wits' end.
0: Yedidiah didn't take care of Ariel or his otherwise financially. He reportedly made all of them go on welfare to support their families. He also forced Ariel to work at a local pizza hut. It directly contradicted Israel's teachings about not interacting with the outside world, but it seemed that Yediah didn't care.
1: But while the work wasn't glamorous, it gave Ariel a lifeline. At Pizza Hut, Ariel connected with a man named Philip. She told him about everything she'd endured at the house of Yahweh, and he helped her realize that she was in a cult.
0: In October 1999, Philip and another co-worker arranged for Ariel and her kids to stay at an apartment. With their support, Ariel escaped the House of Yahweh and started a relationship with Philip, but it still wasn't easy.
1: Everyone in the church shunned her. Her parents resented her and even fought for custody of her three children. While she eventually won custody of her two daughters, her son wanted to stay at the
0: House of Yahweh. Ariel had to move on with her life. She married Philip and they settled in Georgia to start over.
1: Even though Ariel got a second chance, not all of the House of Yahweh's members were so lucky.
0: Coming up, Israel's teachings kill innocent people.
2: Hello, I'm Hannah Maguire. And I'm Saruti Bala, and we're the hosts of the new Spotify original from Parkast, Sinister Societies. You may know us from the very creepy and excellent podcast Red-Handed, but now we've teamed up with Parkast for an unprecedented look at history's most nefarious groups. Some preach extreme religious practices, others warn of impending doom, and then there are those whose endgame is far more diabolical. Every Tuesday on Sinister Societies we take a peek behind the curtain and discover the most ominous organisations the world may or may not have known. Learn how entrepreneurial sects made fortunes off their brand, how charismatic cult leaders caught the eye of celebrities, and why strange orders of the extraterrestrial or collegiate kind attract the most unlikely of followers. Some groups convene in the shadows. Others operate in plain sight. All are absolutely sinister. Follow Sinister Societies free and only on Spotify.
0: Now, back to the story.
1: Despite several followers fleeing the House of Yahweh in the mid-1990s, the congregation's leader, Israel Hawkins, held firm to his beliefs. No amount of dissent could change his mind. He knew those who left were doomed to die in the coming end times.
0: By 1999, he believed the end would arrive within a year. From his compound in Eula, Texas, Israel spread this message to all his followers scattered throughout the globe. He preached
1: that nuclear war would wipe out 80% of the world's population. Afterward, Yahweh would return and reward them.
0: But just like all the doomsday preachers before him, Israel missed the mark. The year 2000 came and went, but the Lord never returned. Instead of admitting fallibility, Israel did what he always did. He reinterpreted the scriptures. He said he'd miscalculated and pushed the end date forward a few years to the mid-2000s.
1: That seemed to placate most of his followers, as far as we can tell. From 2001 to 2003, most people stayed and continued preparing for the world's demise by storing food and other supplies.
0: Life went on quietly until the fall of 2003. In September, a 33-year-old mother, Desiree K. Gideon, needed help from the House of Yahweh. She wasn't an official member, but she knew members of the church and may have attended their services.
1: Her seven-year-old daughter, Terry, somehow got an infection on her leg. Desiree may have thought it would heal on its own, but over time, the infection spread.
0: But she didn't take Terry to a doctor, a decision in line with Israel's anti-medicine stance. Instead, Desiree brought Terry to the house of her friend, Rebecca Hawkins. Rebecca, a devout follower of Israel, likely possessed the same mistrust for modern medicine.
1: Without doctors to turn to, the pair decided to act on their own. They grabbed a scalpel and a needle to perform makeshift surgery on the child. But when they clumsily tried cutting out the infection, they only made things much worse.
0: The details of what happened next are fuzzy. It appears that Desiree cut too deeply and caused her daughter to hemorrhage. She frantically looked for anything to stem the flow. She allegedly grabbed some nearby packing peanuts, but they were useless. The blood kept spilling.
1: Desperate and with no other options, Desiree then rushed Terry to a clinic. But instead of being forthcoming, she refused to give key details to doctors about what had happened. Terry's injuries were so severe that the clinic doctors took her to a hospital in Fort Worth for more advanced care.
0: But the damage was done. Terry passed away at the hospital from the injuries. Eventually, Desiree and Rebecca were arrested and went to trial. They were both found guilty of injuring a child and desiree was sentenced to five years probation
1: and although israel wasn't guilty in the eyes of the law his teachings were still central to terry's death
0: however as far as we can tell no one in or out of the group denounced israel or his reckless teachings
1: so without anyone to oppose him israel continued getting away with his abusive practices Around this time, Yedediah Hawkins, Israel's second-in-command, made plans to marry his fifth child bride, who we'll refer to as Hannah.
0: At only 11 years old, the girl lived with her mother and her siblings in a trailer with yetadiah perhaps as a way to groom her for her marriage.
1: As they lived together, Yedediah became possessive over Hannah. That soon gave way to jealous thoughts, including that Hannah had lost her virginity, At one point, Yedediah inspected Hannah to verify her virginity.
0: Another member of the group, Rachel, found out about this and confronted Yedediah. She captured Yedediah's confession on a hidden tape recorder. However, before she could take it to authorities, another elder found the tape and erased it.
1: For the time being, Rachel felt helpless to stop the abuse, and so it continued. Meanwhile, Israel made more predictions about the end of the world.
0: In 2006, the 72-year-old had a message for his thousands of followers across the globe. According to his new calculations, the world would end on September 12, 2006. He claimed that the escalating world tensions would cause the equivalent of World War III.
1: According to him, this would unleash a catastrophic nuclear fallout. Israel's apocalyptic message reached a village in central Kenya that had a small group of leaders dedicated to the house of Yahweh.
0: After hearing the warning, they successfully whipped the rest of the villagers into a frenzy.
1: In preparation for the nuclear holocaust, the Kenyans gathered supplies, hazmat suits, and dug a ventilated network of tunnels and bunkers underneath their homes.
0: When September 12th arrived, they donned their equipment and huddled together in their shelters. They braced themselves for the earth-shattering explosions that never came.
1: By the next morning, the villagers emerged to find the world just as they'd left it. Many of them laughed it off and resumed their lives, but local authorities didn't think it was a laughing matter.
0: Soon after, Kenyan authorities detained the local House of Yahweh leaders and made them swear to never stir up trouble like that again. Afterward, the House of Yahweh sect in Kenya ceased to exist.
1: Back in Texas, Israel's followers simply accepted that he'd miscalculated again. The members developed a phrase that helped them rationalize Israel's failures. They used a verse from scripture that said, quote, "Four out of five shall fall away."
0: To them, it meant that 80% of their followers would abandon Yahweh in the end times. If they wanted to prove themselves faithful, they had to stay, no matter how wrong Israel appeared to be, and then they would be saved.
1: But while that made it easier to overlook Israel's failed predictions, it couldn't explain away other traumas in the group. That same year, another one of his members, a woman named Lisa Johnson, went into labor. Like Ariel, years earlier, she only had midwives to help her.
0: Lisa gave birth, but started bleeding profusely. Still, Lisa did not go to the hospital. Perhaps she and her midwives believed God would heal her. Instead, Lisa died.
1: In addition to this tragedy, officials caught wind of a previously unreported death at the house of Yahweh.
0: At some point in 2006, an infant passed away, and when the police exhumed the body, an autopsy revealed something worrying. That the child had died from malnourishment and traumatic asphyxiation. That occurs when pressure is placed on the chest and prevents normal breathing.
1: But even with the damning autopsy report, it seems that the police never had enough evidence to file charges.
0: So by the end of 2006, 72 year old Israel had made at least two false doomsday claims and three people associated with his group had died. For many, this would have been a time to stop and reflect on one's actions and come clean.
1: But not for Israel. He'd already disrupted so many lives that the deaths he'd caused probably meant nothing to him. He'd spent the majority of his adult life craving adoration, and he wouldn't just give that up.
0: In fact, it seemed like his arrogance only grew more severe. And for some followers, that was a turning point. One couple, Norman and Alicia, claimed that during a sermon, Israel looked out among his followers and appointed himself king over everything.
1: Norman and Alicia found that deeply concerning. They'd been members of the group because they wanted to devote themselves to God. Now, suddenly, their leader seemed to make himself God. Yet, as disturbing as that was, it didn't compare to what they experienced later.
0: They lived near the compound and had eight kids, some of whom were girls. And when their daughters reached the ages of seven and nine, the older men approached Norman and complimented how righteous the girls were. According to an interview that Norman gave on the TV show, Dr. Phil, they tell Norman, boy, they're going to make nice wives.
1: With that comment, the couple had had enough. Fearing for the safety of their daughters, Norman and Alicia left the house of Yahweh.
0: Their departure may have inspired Hannah, yet soon-to-be fifth wife, to take action as well.
1: By this point, she was 14 and had been enduring abuse for years, Thankfully, in the fall of 2007, her situation was anonymously reported to authorities. That October, the Texas Department of Family and Protective Services brought Hannah in for questioning. She told them that she'd been molested since she was eight years old, most recently by Yedidaya, who was preparing to marry her.
0: After Hannah shared that with authorities, Yedidaya came to pick her up. When he arrived, though, the police detained him he would finally be held accountable.
1: Only a few months later, yet leader was also brought to justice. In February 2008, officials charged Israel Hawkins for bigamy and child labor violations, but they didn't move on him right away. They feared history would repeat itself.
0: Years before, in 1993, state and federal officials tried arresting another Texas cult leader named David Koresh. But when authorities came to his Waco compound, he fought back. The confrontation turned into a violent 51-day siege that led to the deaths of 76 people, 25 of whom were children.
1: The authorities who wanted to arrest Israel feared he would do something similar, and with good reason. They'd heard rumors that Israel's followers had buried weapons on their property. They worried he would ask them to sacrifice themselves, This seemed possible. Israel once told his congregation, I'm not asking much out of you. I'm just asking that you be willing to die rather than leave this house.
0: Coming up, the police take their chance to arrest Israel. Now back to the story.
1: Three months after obtaining their warrant, the police were finally ready to arrest cult leader Israel Hawkins. To avoid a deadly encounter, they decided to wait until he stepped off his property. As he drove through town, they apprehended him.
0: Israel denied all the charges against him, but authorities had discovered his teachings in which he told his congregation that three wives were better than two and two were better than one.
1: They also found two birth certificates from mothers ages 19 and 22 who listed the 74-year-old leader as the father in 2007. Lastly, police had multiple eyewitness reports of people seeing children as young as 11 working on Israel's property.
0: The judge set Israel's bail at $10 million. He wanted to keep Israel detained so he wouldn't incite his followers to commit acts of violence. He didn't want another Jonestown on his hands.
1: However, Israel promised the judge he wouldn't let that happen. Israel assured him his security guards were unarmed and he always spoke against suicide. Convinced, the judge lowered the bail to $100,000 and released Israel.
0: Israel returned to his compound and for once in his life, he kept his word. He didn't stir up a violent rebellion and he went to court for his trial when summoned.
1: Ultimately, Israel and Yedidiah's trials took place around the same time In December of 2008, Yedediah's judge found him guilty of aggravated sexual assault of a child and sentenced him to 30 years in prison.
0: When Israel received his sentence in 2009, his punishment was less severe. The prosecution couldn't charge him with bigamy because Israel hadn't legally wed more than one woman, and current members of the cult denied they'd practiced polygamy. However, authorities were able to convict Israel on four counts of child labor violations. As a result, the judge fined Israel $8,000 and sentenced him to 15 months probation per violation.
1: The fee was paltry given all the pain and turmoil Israel had caused and all the money he possessed. Still, even though he'd received an easy sentence, cracks had appeared in his kingdom, and it was only a matter of time before things fell apart.
0: The next blow came from a couple who had fled the house of Yahweh. When they realized that retribution wouldn't come from the courts, they took matters into the court of public opinion.
1: Norman and Alicia, the parents who fled the house of Yahweh to protect their daughters, and Israel's ex-wife Kay went on the Dr. Phil TV show in 2009.
0: There they revealed just how bad things were to the entire nation. Kay shared a bit about her abusive experiences with her husband, while Norman and Alicia explained that the older men had plans to marry their first and second grade daughters when they became teenagers.
1: Norman went on to explain that even after the family left, some of the elders continued to call, begging them to bring the girls back. According to the elders' twisted logic, the girls were, vestal virgins waiting for the holy
0: seed. To get both sides of the story, Dr. Phil invited Israel to join the show, but the 75-year-old refused. In lieu of a physical appearance, he sent a video. In it, Israel apologized for not attending and then claimed that he looked forward to seeing every member who spoke out against him in Yahweh's kingdom.
1: It seemed like a nice sentiment from a kind old man, but it was likely just for show. After Israel introduced himself, he used the rest of the time to prophesy he claimed the Old Testament said there would be a nuclear war near the Euphrates, a river in Syria and Iraq.
0: Instead of letting Israel receive the free advertising to attract new members, Norman addressed Israel's predictions. He said Israel had made those claims for over a decade, and each time they proved inaccurate.
1: Cult expert Steve Hassan says that some cult leaders believe all their prophecies are true, The way Hassan sees it, leaders like Israel aren't running a scam or a hoax. If Israel just wanted to lie about the end times and fool people in order to make money, there'd be certain clues that would give him away. However, according to Hassan, a con artist would never set themselves up for failure by giving themselves a firm date. Hassan explains that a fraud would take a different approach to doomsday predictions. He'd say the end was coming, but never say when. That way, people could never pin him for lying. But because Israel didn't use that tactic, it seems he was a severely misguided preacher who believed in his own teachings.
0: While well, the Dr. Philip appearance served to discredit and expose Israel, it's unlikely that anyone at the house of Yahweh saw it. With Israel's strict rules, his followers still weren't allowed to watch TV or consume any other media.
1: After the appearance on Dr. Phil, Israel mostly stayed out of the limelight. With his advancing age, maybe Israel lost his drive to keep pushing his apocalyptic message to outsiders.
0: Still, if Israel seemed to slow down, the House of Yahweh has occasionally made headlines over the years. In 2014, authorities arrested one of his high-ranking members and charged him with obstruction of justice and retaliation.
1: According to them, on March 27, 2014, this man sent 96 aggressive emails to a law firm that represented the House of Yahweh in civil court. He wrote that he'd either shoot, stab, or blow up the lawyers, presumably if he didn't get his desired outcome in trial. In one email, he wrote, I'll kill the judge, too. I know where he lives. Try me.
0: Since then, the House of Yahweh has stayed out of the spotlight, hosting most of its material to its website. It sometimes launches press releases to announce various prophecies about world politics and end times, but that's about it.
1: As of 2021, 87-year-old Israel and his followers still believe that the House of Yahweh is the one true church. The rest, according to Israel, are all deceitful and satanic.
0: Over the years, some former members have escaped the house of Yahweh. Some of these survivors have posted their stories on YouTube and other forums. They talk about how they eventually noticed Israel's hypocrisy and control and decided the church wasn't for them.
1: But for the followers who remain, Israel or another high-ranking leader presumably gives sermons every week. But we don't know what else goes on. It appears as if Israel no longer wants any attention, Or if he does, he can't get as much as he used to.
0: If that's true, then it's the only real change we've seen in Israel's character. His ex-wife Kay said early on that he'd always lived for the spotlight and had done whatever he could to get it. But perhaps once he got it, he realized that it only revealed the holes in his leadership and beliefs.
1: What we do know is that none of Israel's predictions about the end times came true. The only thing that's near its end is his reign of terror.
0: Thanks for tuning in to Cults. We'll be back next Tuesday with a new episode.
1: You can find all episodes of Cults and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on
0: Spotify. We'll see you next time
1: cults is a spotify original from parcast it is executive produced by max and ron cutler sound designed by russell nash with production assistance by ron shapiro trent williamson carly madden and bruce kitovich this episode of cults was written by rob heckert with writing assistance by robert tyler walker back checking by claire cronin and research by brian petrus and chelsea wood cults stars greg polson
2: and vanessa richardson You aren't supposed to know about them, unless they want you to. Powerful groups with their own very specific agendas. And if you find yourself on the inside, good luck getting out. Hi, I'm Hannah Maguire. And I'm Saruti Bala. Join us every Tuesday for our new Spotify original from Parcast, Sinister Societies. Whether it's Doomsday Predictions, Deadly Greed, or World Domination, Each week, we're exposing the beliefs and actions of the most ominous organisations the world may or may not have known. Follow Sinister Societies free and only on Spotify.